and welcome to another great edition, another quarantine edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard. Joined as always by my co-host Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, not too much happened this week, but enough to uh, to bring you some news as we do every week. We are dedicated. Happy Easter to those of you that uh, they're celebrating. Hope you had a good one or able to see some family. Uh, if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so at Talking Tigs. Uh, no G and talking. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as the Talking Takes podcast. And we're also on iTunes and Spotify as well. Before we get going, just wanted to check in with the co-host as usual and see how you guys are doing. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah. You know, it was okay uh, weekend. It's good to see you, Scott. Uh, Easter was nice. A little bit different. Didn't go, <clears throat> didn't go home. Didn't see anybody. Was basically alone. But... You know, got to watch church on the computer and had, um, you know, fix some food or, and stuff. So pros and cons, just like everything in this quarantine life. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of strange not being with the, the whole family for Easter. I was uh, alone in my place, too. We did have a big family Zoom call. I think there was like 20 something on there at a time. So that was pretty, yeah, that was pretty wild. Um, but so that was good. Uh, other than that, just been kind of doing my thing. Um, just want to mentioned that there was uh, some tornadoes and some damage up by where me and Tommy are from Northeast mm-hmm. Louisiana uh, yesterday on Easter day. And I think across some in Mississippi too. So I hope everyone was safe out there. Um, saw some destruction on the, the Facebook, but doing all right here. Uh, glad to be talking to y'all. Shout out to the hometown. Yeah. yeah that, uh, that, that storm that came through, it went through all of SEC country and there was some major, Look like some F5 damage in Mississippi. So I uh, hope everyone out there that's listening, uh, you know, stayed safe and uh, wasn't horribly affected by that. Um, but yeah, because uh, you know, we had the storms here in Atlanta as well, tornado warnings all over the place. Um, but other than that, I uh, had a good Easter, was able to have dinner with, uh, with, uh, with the family. I uh, was able to dress my daughter up in this cute little outfit that had bunny ears and, and everything. Aww. I know, I know. It's her first Christmas. I didn't even think about that, but first now it's a first everything uh but anyway other than that uh, a good weekend uh, a good week uh not i don't know it's it always seems like there's always some recruiting news that's coming out but we're going to toss that to our senior recruiting correspondent here in a in a little bit but um i guess the biggest news so far is uh from the men's basketball team and uh Trenton Watford is uh leaving early to go pro after his freshman season uh, but it was a good season and, uh, you know, I guess I wasn't too surprised by it. I don't know if you guys were, feel free to chime in if you weren't, but, um, well, Wade's losing a good one, but hopefully he's got someone, uh, coming in to replace him. Well, uh, what did you think about Watford leaving? Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be a, a, a big loss, but I think you're right. Like not an unexpected one. Um, I think there was a little bit of hope maybe with the abbreviated season that, that some that you know some of these players, including Watford, might say, "Well, I, I didn't get enough to be. I didn't get enough put on tape. I didn't. Nobody got to see me play in playoffs or in tournaments or whatever." So, um, I think that was a hope, but it was probably not a, uh, a likely one. And as we've seen with the news, you know, he's he's gone. So that's kind of ha- that's kind of the landscape of, of college basketball now. Is you have these these top level recruits. Watford was one of the top ones in that class, and you know it's going to be one and done it was brought to you by John Calipari and, and uh, you know, and coach K and it's a, it trickles down 
to uh to all the programs and especially it's almost like a uh the 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 business of of being a successful program is you have to learn how to navigate that because when you're recruiting that top talent they're not going to want to stay now you get a guy you know you get some some more middle tier uh talent and they might be more apt to stay for two three four years you know like i think a guy like skylar mays is almost an anomaly um where he's a you know a great a great player and probably one of the best players in the sec but he wanted to stay for all four years um so that's you know i think will wade is it's not it's not news to will wade and he's uh i'm looking at the class right now you know he's got a five star and two four stars and then two transfers who are both four stars so there's a lot of talent coming in for next year uh but it, it is tough i mean it's, it's going to be a tough uh, tough shoes to fill i guess yeah, it's pretty expected in my opinion. It's a lot like the the Nas Reed situation from the year before. Um, where Trenton Wofford, I think he was like twenty something rated recruit coming in uh, out of high school, and it's pretty much the college basketball norm now that if you're like a top fifty recruit, then it's pretty much expected you're going to be one and done. Uh, besides the obvious fact that you're chasing the money, uh, that. NBA teams, they don't want to be drafting a guy who's already like 21 uh, out of college. They want to develop you when you're 18 and they can uh, kind of invest in you, maybe put you, even if you're not going to start immediately, like a, a top 10, 15 pick, put you in the D league, develop you instead of uh, and where you're playing against better competition that whole way. So you can't really blame him there. And then, so he's going to go on to, to bigger and hopefully success uh, in the NBA I'm not quite sure where he's projected right now, but I think he himself said he was hoping to be a first round pick. So I don't know what his own expectations are. I think, yeah, probably late first, early second round is pretty reasonable. Uh, and then there is the opportunity that the the rule in college basketball now, where you can declare for the draft and then come back, He'll come back. If he doesn't like his draft style, or if he doesn't like his, where he ends up in the draft, he could, he could come back. Right. Well, no, you, you can't get drafted and then go back. You can declare for the draft. And then I think they'll give you like an assessment. And then if they say like, oh, you're going to be a late second round pick or something like that, then you can say, no, nah, I'm going to go back to school for another year. I, I think that it's was football. No, um, they, yeah. give you, they give you your stock before. And that's when you decide whether or not to declare. Football, once you declare, that's it. Um, but for basketball, yeah, I, I don't know if that's what happened with Javante Smart because remember he declared and then he came back. Uh, so I think as long as you, there's some date that they set. So. I was under the impression that college football copied that practice from basketball. Um, I, I want to say, uh, I want to say that basketball is even more so. Now, well, maybe, yeah, maybe current current NCAA rules now allow players to declare for and withdraw from multiple drafts while retaining college eligibility. Okay. You so, just can't sign with an agent, maybe? Yeah, I don't think I yeah, I don't think you can actually you might even be able to I don't know. I don't know about the agent part, but I'm pretty sure that you can you can declare for the draft. Go, okay, oh here here it is. Um so a player could theoretically declare for the draft and then go undrafted. Um and then and then come back, I guess. All right. Well, we don't have to speculate on the, uh, the, well, the no, I, mean, I was just, I was, I was just wanted to like, I wanted to investigate. Cause like, yeah, I think that, I think the, the rule that you're talking about, Daniel is a little bit, I think that's more along the lines of the college rule where you can get your draft grade. 
and you'll they'll say you're a you're a second round pick, you're a fifth round pick, you're a this round pick. And if you're if you don't like your draft grade, you can come back and play football the next year. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think a team could submit like I thought it was like a limited number because, you know, honestly, not everyone that comes out or wants to declare is going to be a first or second round. So I think you, the team can submit a specific number um, of their players and they will get draft grades and they base their decision upon that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I just, I just thought of something. It's a question. So based on what you were talking about earlier, Danny, about, you know, these, these teams developing players, they don't want someone that's gone through four, three or four years of college basketball, but they, they, um, they felt like it wasn't a good thing to do to have kids come straight out of high school. So that's why they developed this. Well, you must be in college at least one year, which I think is what gave John Calipari the license to do all this one and done recruiting. But I don't know. Do you think that they're ever going to change that though? Because not every, like think of how many people come out of high school and are ready to just go straight into the pros. You know, it's like, who, 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 who could you think off the top of your head? Kobe, LeBron, like, or, or the Zion, maybe you probably kind of on one hand. Right. Yeah. So I think that rule was created for a very, very, very small uh, minority of players, but it affects the whole landscape. Just think yeah. about it. You know, if they had that rule way back when Shaq was here, he'd have been a one and done probably. Um, so I think the, I think the rule was probably like, we we're kind of talking about off, off, uh, before the pod, you know, it's just an overreaction to something and it created a new problem to fix a very small problem before. So I don't know. I think they, they could probably go back and reassess this because uh, some of these guys that, that are one and done, um, you know, I think the average life in the NBA is what, like three years or something. So, I mean, they can get their money for sure, but uh, I think a lot of guys that do declare, they end up on like a D league and then that's it. Um, yeah, that's true. What do you, got, you guys think that they'll ever revisit this rule? Uh, maybe at some point. I mean, you actually see a lot of kids trying to kind of circumvent this now uh, by playing in foreign leagues for a year and then come back to the NBA draft. Or I've seen even a couple of people just literally like sit out entirely and just do training for a year where they don't want to like dedicate themselves to a college season where they could get hurt or something, uh, decrease their draft stock, where they'd rather go over to china or to europe or some people play in australia like um lamello ball and he's projected to potentially be the number one overall pick this year who he played for a year out of high school in australia and so um they're still doing that that way they don't necessarily want to play for free in college and so i I think eventually the situation will probably be reassessed but i don't really know what the um the best solution is yeah i I think actually that that this uh well I guess like this, this rule along with the, the similar rules in football um, with displacement from displacement from high school and uh, you know, amateurism, all that kind of the, the NCAA, you know, regulations or whatever. I think all of that will come into, will come into play when the NCAA actually institutes the, the payment uh, system that they're talking about because I, uh, you know, like, like Daniel said, a lot of these players want to, they want to get paid to play ball. And so they'll go to China or they'll go to Australia or wherever. Well, when the, when colleges start paying, it'll be 
or when the NCAA starts paying based on whatever, you know, the TV rights or an NCAA basketball or football game or take your pick, um, that'll have, that'll add a little bit more, you know, market pressure for people to go to college rather, or just to, to, you know, play ball in college rather than go to the, the, uh, semi-pro leagues. And then if you think about it from the perspective of not just basketball, but all sports, uh, now, unfortunately, we just found out that the, the XFL is not going to come back. Uh, but I actually heard that um, the XFL may be, making, may be trying to make a bid on the AAF, like their uh, IP or whatever, so they could like merge a league or something like that. So I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if something, if there's another football league that starts up again. But even regardless, um, eventually I think that you'll see the NFL – um, and especially if they were to get it, if a, if a, a competitor or not even a competitor, but, a but a, another football league were to may last longer than one year, you'll see the NFL, um, relax their rules because a lot of people were talking about, uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of similar to like, like a Herschel Walker situation with the USFL where the number one pick and they, you know, the number one player in college football chooses the USFL chooses the, the less, the quote lesser league uh, because they want to go early and they want to make money. And so, so, you know, there was a lot of speculation when the XFL was, was thriving or I don't know about thriving, but when they were operating that maybe Trevor Lawrence might want to come out as a sophomore and play a year, a year in, in their league or something like that. And so I actually do think, you know, right now, no, I don't think Trevor – well, it's not – it's pretty much a moot point because the XFL is, as of right now, not a thing. Um, I don't think Trevor Lawrence would want to do that anyway. But I could see, you know, 10 years down the road, if we do have a, a viable, almost semi-pro league, that a player might say, okay, I'll play two years at – I'll play two years at a blue-chip college, and then I'll go play a year in the XFL, or I'll go play a year in the AAF or whatever – or, or, you know, play a couple years. So I do think that um, the NCAA will have to revisit that when they, when they start paying players and then along with, with other leagues that don't have – because the thing to remember is that all of the rule there's no law in any of these rules. It's all rules based on their, uh, the collective bargaining agreements of the leagues and the NCAA, NCAA's arbitrary rules. So, like, you know, XFL, D-League, NBA, NFL, they can change it whenever they want. True. Um, but I mean, there, there kind of already is a viable, uh, football. I mean, it's the Canadian football league. Uh, there's some slight differences, but it's, it's existed for, for decades now. I remember, uh, Notre Dame had, uh, I think, um, his name was, uh, Rocket Ishmael. Uh, he played Notre Dame, I think late eighties. And he went straight to the college or excuse me, to the Canadian football league. Um, I, I think he was the only one to do it. No one's really done it since. Uh, but I mean, he got paid. I think he had a contract of 25 million. I think it might've been for five years. I, I don't remember exactly. And I think he might've come back in the NFL, you know, like a journeyman status, but I mean, that's existed. So I guess if guys wanted to do that, but I think the money would have to be there. I don't see Trevor Lawrence doing that because somebody like him, you know, he, he can be uh, a starter in the NFL. I would say somebody, let's say like Danny Etling, you know, he could mm-hmm. probably go play in the CFL, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's, it sucks that the XFL when is going under, but I don't know if it's 
mostly due to coronavirus. I don't know, or at least they could probably chalk it up to that anyway. And some people could see, well, you know, for its time, uh, the XFL had viewers. People were somewhat interested. So maybe there's something there. There's a model there. We just have to find it. So maybe if they did take over the AAF and combine forces and hash well, something I, out. There I might saw be- a, lot of, uh, a lot of speculation this week about like the the some of the AAF teams like official Twitter accounts have gone active again and are talking about something like dream never dies or you know we the, the ship still sails or something like that and then and then some something else there was some some announcement that um that was supposed to be made of course I don't think that uh, with the XFL but I don't think that I don't think the uh the the collapse of the XFL was what was expected um regardless uh, I do think, I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. I, I agree with you about the, the CFL that maybe, you know, I, I kind of, like you said, well, why hasn't it happened with the CFL? But I think it would be like, I don't think the CFL markets itself as an alternative to, to the NFL or even a, or not even an all, like, I don't, I don't think necessarily, I think that the advantage of the, the XFL was, it wasn't trying to market itself as an, as an alternative, but right. Um, I don't think the CFL positions itself in a way that would make a college player want to want to choose that as a sophomore or something like that. Right. Unless like you said, they could go straight out of high school and start making money. Yeah. I think that's, that's the, that would be the draw. Is um, if you, then the problem with that is you get into, and the, and the reason why it works in basketball works in baseball, but doesn't work in, in football is that, a tw- a nineteen year old Kobe Bryant uh, playing against a you know playing going straight to the NFL I mean going straight to the NBA is so much different than a nineteen year old Trevor Lawrence trying to play against Cam Jordan and Aaron against Donald. Aaron Donald coming off the yeah. edge and like it's, it's just not even a comparison. His first hit he snapped like, in half and his career is over. <laughs> yeah, like if you you know if you you think, you think about you think about just like you think about Cardell Thomas. And I don't know if you've seen like photos of him, you know, from him in high school to him now, from him in high school to him, like after his first year. And then I, I can, you know, I'd be interested to see what he looks like by the time he, he goes on to uh, finish at LSU, you know, they just put so much weight on them and they're so um, they, they, they're so good about the, the building, you know, these incredible uh, athletic bodies that, it's it is that's just not you don't see that in in basketball the same way there's mm-hmm. you know there's great weight programs there's great nutrition programs for for all the sports at at division one colleges but the amount of transformation that goes on for a uh for from freshman to senior year for a football player is is really incredible and, and you can't replicate that um or can't compete with that as a as a uh as a 18 year old kid out of high school yeah i mean you see true freshman starting immediately in college football is a rare thing. And so if, if it's that tough for these true freshmen to compete against college level athletes, like, do you think they're going to compete against the 0.1% of professional athletes? Like, no, these guys are professionals for a reason. I mean, you see the people who are absolute studs in college go to the NFL and bust immediately. Like they can't handle it. So who do you think this guy who's always been, is competing against the best players in Texas or California or wherever he's not going to step up there and then be catching passes from Drew Brees or uh, 
like tackling Todd Gurley bowling up the middle. <laughs> I do. I do think that there would be, that there are differences in, in skill type positions. So I think that a, a, a receiver, um, maybe a quarterback would be more likely to succeed out of, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I'm out of high school. I don't necessarily, um, I don't know if you could, if there would be such a thing as out of high school, but definitely like one or two years displaced from college, like a, a one and done in college or, a, or two and done in college. I think you could see a skill players having more success, but especially like the, the linemen, you know, some of these, some of these guys that go number you know two overall. And, and if you're not a big football guy, a football guy, if you're not, if you're not, a, you know, if you don't, if you're not watching and you're not covering the draft, you don't know who the left tackle out of, you know, Iowa is, but he's like the number three pick overall. Um, it takes years and, and just time to develop, to, to, to get to that point athletically. Um, they, but I think just to bring it full circle back to LSU, I think that's what, that's why we need to recognize. Um, and we've talked about it on this podcast. We talked about it with Josh Lemoyne, you know, Daniel, you mentioned about some of these top level recruits, you know, out of high school playing starting day one at, as a, uh, at a division one sec school and how much, you know, how rare that is. Well, you know, we, Derek Stingley is, is that rare. And when I asked, when we, when we talked about Derek Stingley at the beginning of the season and Josh Lemoyne was on, I asked him, I said, you know, well, don't you think he's going to, they're going to want to put on weight. I mean, he's just a high schooler. Yeah. Right. He's like, he, he, I think he turned seven, I mean, turned 18 in the season. And Josh Lemoyne was like, no, he's ready. He's ready right now. He's, he's at his playing weight. He's at the weight he'll want to play at in high school. I mean, in, in, in high school, in, uh, in the NFL. So, you know, you talk about like a generational talent. That's exact. That's exactly what we're seeing right now. Is that Derek Stingley is the type of guy who could maybe make that jump, but I don't even think he would want to. Right, right. Um, and uh, oh, you changed your position, but uh, I just wanted to say for for a minute there, you looked exactly like your background photo. Oh. <laughs> All you needed was the cigar because the arm was up like him. That leg kind of looked like yours. Yeah. It was perfect. Uh, but anyway, pe- folks at home won't get that, but I don't know. Maybe I'll cut it out. For, for all the folks at home, I've got the, uh, I've got the, bur- we've got the, we've been playing around with the zoom backgrounds. You know, we're doing our, we're doing our podcast on zoom. And if you're not on zoom, you can do some kind of cool backgrounds. So I've got the, uh, the burrow cigar, cigar smoking background is my, uh, the picture is my background. So. Yeah. And it's yeah. fitting perfectly. Uh, but anyway, bring it back to the, uh, to the players. Um, and speaking of, you know, talking about these, these guys that, uh, you know, that can or can't uh, go on, just last thing I'll say about it, uh, into your point about coming out of high school, playing against the pros. Yeah. That'd be like junior varsity going against, you know, the varsity guys that have been there for four years in high school. Uh, they're just, their bodies aren't ready. They're not fully developed, but you know, we're just always trying to think of different ways that, uh, you know, if they didn't want to wait in college for three years, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I don't know if there is an answer for that. There, there may never be, but I thought if anything, maybe the XFL could be that, but a loss, no more. Well, uh, if it, I mean, if anybody can figure it out, it's us. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> um, but, but moving on, um, LSU did have a, a, another good recruiting grab this week. So um, with that, I'm going to toss it to our, senior recruiting correspondent uh daniel uh so dan you want to you want to tell us which which tiger they now hold 
Yeah, sure. Thanks. So uh, we got a commitment this week from the number two safety in the class of 2022. So uh, mark your 2022 calendars down for that one. I know I have mine ready. Uh, Brian Allen Jr. out of, I believe it's pronounced Aledo, Texas, outside Fort Worth, who, yeah, he's a safety number two in the country, um, which pairs well. LSU had already had the commitment from uh, Bryce Anderson, who is the number four safety in the country in that class. So that brings us to actually the most recruits out of any school in the country right now for the 2022 class. We only have four, but the most I was anybody, say, that's only four. The that's most anybody else has is two. So wow, okay. uh, we're, we're on top now. I'll, obviously, a lot of things can change. We see commitments and decommitments and whatnot. So there is a chance that some of these guys will never put an LSU jersey on, but it's good. For now and I think that it's a good sign that these players are expecting it to be business as usual come a couple of years and to continue that tradition of great LSU DBs so very good to see that also I mentioned that he's a four-star but right now there's only one five-star in the rankings that I go by on 24-7 sports so uh, he's still uh, very very highly ranked and so looking to see how that develops into the fall but mm-hmm. other, that's about it for now Another fun fact about about that that pickup is uh, just another great another great uh, recruit, another great pull for Bill Bush, who's been on a tear as of the last couple of years for LSU, just picking up the top recruits. He's got a big a big impact in Texas recruiting, and uh, you know it, it's a good he's a good asset to have on the uh, on the staff. No, definitely, definitely, and uh, who knows we we may see him in a, in a few years at what. Uh, Another event that just happened this week because LSU had a, a little mini pro day of sorts. Uh, I don't know if there really was much reporting on it other than, you know, maybe 40 yard dash times. Um, the one I saw, Derek Dillon had a, a 4.29.40, but you guys said that Stefan Sullivan had a, uh, what was it, a 4.2? Or was it Derek Dillon that had the, like the blazing fast? I think it was. Yeah. Oh, oh, is that who you you were thinking of, Stefan Sullivan? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I said Stefan Sullivan. It was Derek oh, Dillon, I thought we had two. Receiver. Yeah, no, uh, Derek Dillon had a four two nine, which very good for him. Um, he, I remember he uh, he was like one of the leading receivers before this last year or two. I mean, he, he was thought to be one. I think he was like a uh, one of the top recruits in the country, top wide receiver recruits in the country. But then, uh, you know, we got here and then we got Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson took over and, um, you know, he kind of fell by the wayside. But anyone looking for a speedy, a speedy receiver uh, that's probably not going to go in the first or second round, uh, I think he's going to be that guy. Maybe he'll make it, maybe he'll make it up into the second with that, with that 40 time, though. But, um, yeah, just a little tidbit of news. LSU had a pro day, by the way. Um, they, I guess they got to do something because this virtual draft is coming up and, you know, still guys can make a kind of make a name for themselves as best that they can, since there's not going to be like a regular pro day or, you know, the, the combine's gone, but um, they're still moving on with this virtual draft. going to be interesting to see how that plays out and to see if, uh, you know, if Joe Burrow's still going to go number one as expected, or if all these other guys that people are these, these, you know, commenters are trying to say should be the number one draft or, or will go. But um, I don't know. Joe Burrow had a had an interesting comment when he was on a podcast with Shaq. Um, Tommy, you, you're the one that told me about because I, I didn't get a chance to listen to it this week. But 
he said something along the lines of he wanted to play with a winner, right? Yeah. People kind of took that the wrong way. Well, I, you know, I don't know if, if I, I don't know which way to take it really, but you know, he said something along the lines of, I want to play for an organization that, that wants to win. I want to play for an organization that's willing to make all, you know, take all the right steps to, to create a winning program. And then he said, he went on to say, like, I've, I've never, I've never had a losing season since I was five years old and I don't want to start in the NFL. So it's very, um, uh, you know, pretty, pretty strong words from Burrow, uh, especially when all intents and purposes say that he's going to Cincinnati, which is a, uh, not a winning team to, you know, and has the win, has the, uh, first overall pick for a reason. But, uh, I guess there's, there's really two camps about it. There's, there's some people who are saying, Oh yeah, that means Burrow doesn't want to play for him. He's he's signaling to them, don't don't pick me because I won't play, or you know, trade me, trade my trade my pick. And the other people are saying, no, that's Burrow saying, look, you better, I'm I'm coming and I'm here to win. You better bring, you know, you better keep AJ Green. You better go out and, and pick up some pick up some weapons for me. You better strengthen my offensive line because I'm I'm coming to win. So you know, I don't know if exactly which way one or the other. Um, from what from what I've I've seen, and I've watched a lot of different, you know, my, Mel Kiper and uh, Todd McShay and some of the other draft people talking. They say that Cincinnati's not, they, or at least all their sources say that Cincinnati's not going to trade that pick. That they will be picking first, and they will most, you know, almost ninety nine percent certainty be picking Burrow. Um, but it's interesting to hear him say that, and yeah. uh, you know, to kind of speculate on what it means. Yeah. Yeah, I just looked up uh, the quote he said, just to read it off for the listeners. He said, I just want to get drafted to a good team, a good organization that is going to maximize my talents. I've won everywhere that I've been. I've never had a losing season in sports from the moment I was five years old. A little humble brag there. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a loser. I just want to go somewhere where I can win. Teams are picking at the top for a reason. I'll take some <laughs> shots. And I feel like, like I said before, I've won everywhere that I've ever been. I feel like if anybody can do it, I can do it. And so a little bit of confidence in himself at the end, saying like he can turn around a losing organization. But he, I don't know if the teams to be too thrilled to be like that he said that they're picking at the they're top picking for at a the reason. Top for a reason. <laughs> He's like, because these are some garbage organizations who don't know how to <laughs> pick a win out of a hat. <laughs> but you know what? I, I hear that quote. And I, I also think of a different aspect is – you know what? He, he knows that, I mean, in all likelihood, that's where he would go, but anything could happen. You know, yeah. somebody could trade up. Um, the Bengals could, I, I don't know, anything could happen basically. And I think he thinks, well, you know what? There's a slight chance I may not go first. So in some wild, crazy turn of events, if that happens, he's just putting it out there. It's like, look, whoever it is, I just want this to be the environment. So who knows? Some team could hear that and go, all right, that's our guy. We didn't think we'd get him, but if he does fall to number two, imagine someone is going to trade up that we didn't maybe think of to get him because you know, that's the type of guy you want. It's, it's some guys that just, you know, want to play. They just want to be, you know, they'd love to be number one, but uh, a team that wants a guy that has that mindset, mm-hmm. like it sounds like he has like a, he's thought about this from a business perspective also which, you know, you, you can't hate. So um, that's, that was, that's what I took from that. So I don't know. It's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird draft. That's for sure. I mean, this whole virtual aspect of it, which I get, but 
again, it's just it's gonna it's gonna be a draft like we have not seen before. <laughs> yeah, Roger Goodell announced that he will officially be announcing the picks from his basement. So <laughs> thanks, Roger. That's why. That's just playing it up. I don't know. That's weird. He could do it from his office. Um, I like I like the fact that Goodell's going to do it from his basement. It's like it's like Goodell doesn't want to do it from his from like the first floor of his house because his wife would boo him. <laughs> yeah, or his kids. His kids, yeah, his kids would stand there and, and boo him. It's like yeah. when, uh, you ever hear the story about when Archie Manning was playing for the Saints and they were the Aints. And mm. okay, so he's playing for the Saints. There, this is when they're like bottom of the barrel, absolutely terrible, and. Uh, <clears throat> So he's got Peyton and Eli and, and uh, Cooper and they're, they go to all the games and he knows where they sit. Cause they, you know, they have season tickets or whatever. Cause it's Archie Manning's family. And he, they lose like this big game and he looks up at the, at the stands to see his family. And then all three of his sons have bags on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, that's the culture. What are you, what's he going to do? Uh, start winning, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, so I, the draft will be coming up here at the end of this month. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if I'll get to see it, but uh, or if any of us will get to see it. But I mean, I, I doubt Roger Goodell's basement's going to look like everyone else's in America. Yeah. It's probably a Dolby Sound System theater with leather couches, you know, the the, the whole shebang. But um, what if we, he went all out and he he contracted like his basement to be created into like an exact replica? of well they used to do it at, at what the radio city music hall in new york but now they're doing it in vegas but anyways he made it into like the stage so, so it didn't look anything different like he walks up it probably already is he probably practices down there oh that's true right i wonder if he's gonna have jerseys to hold up to the camera too like after his, he calls his out door chime and sorry not his uh his his uh driveway chime like when people drive up is the oh man um well i i do want to uh go back to something we were talking about last week uh because we had some homework here on the podcast and i wanted to make sure that everyone did their homework so uh let's start with you tommy you we all had to watch a movie basically i had to watch a sports movie that we hadn't seen before um, so mine was million dollar arm. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you my review here in a minute, but, uh, we'll, we'll go to you first, Tommy. What, what was your movie and what'd you think? So I watched Ford versus Ferrari, um, was a movie that I really like was excited about when it came out, but I just never saw it in theaters just cause I don't know. Like I, I, I used to be the kind of guy who, especially when I lived in Monroe, I guess, cause there's not as much to do in Monroe. Um, I went to every single movie. Like Daniel, you can ask Daniel. I was at the movie theater like every week, um, <clears throat> but I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters. But it was something that like I really wanted to see when I when it was like out and I was seeing commercials for it. And then it kind of went away, and I didn't really think about it until it was the Oscars. And I was uh, may or may not have been making some wagers, and uh, I had if you did if you did pick uh, Ford versus Ferrari for sound design, you won. And he, and it was like really good odds. And I may have done that. And so I was already excited about Ford versus Ferrari because they won, but then I turned it on <clears throat> last night and that was an excellent movie. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I like that. I like that kind of 
period. I like the, I like 60s business movie or 60s business like drama. Um, I'm a big Madman fan. So I kind of got the same kind of vibes with that. But I also liked the kind of competitive and like the, the racing was cool. Liked, uh, I mean, Matt Damon, Christian Bale, two great actors. Um, the guy who plays Lee Iacocca. Lee um, John Bernthal. John Bernthal. Yeah, he's, he's real good. He's, he's always good in, in movies. Um, that the other executive who's like the uh, he's like the right hand man, the toady of, of Henry Ford Jr. Yeah. And he, I, he was so hateable. Josh um, Lucas. Yeah. Couldn't stand him. Um, so he did a good job. Yeah. He did a great job of being very hateable. I liked how they called for Henry Ford, the second deuce. <laughs> yeah. Hank the, Hank the deuce. <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good movie. I thought I, I did a uh, for for my business for my capstone uh, like business strategy course this past fall. We did a uh, we did a case study on Ferrari, and like talked about how racing is really like the brand of Ferrari and like how that's that like really plays into you know everything they do. So I thought that like they did a very good job, especially towards the beginning of the movie, of of really like. Um, encapsulating like what Ferrari means and like how it's synonymous with racing and with like winning and, and excellence. Yeah. Like the guy um, who played uh, Enzo Ferrari, he was just so much, just this tiny like Italian man who literally all he cares about is winning at all costs. Yeah. So I thought that was great. The ending and like, I'll just, I guess I'll say spoiler alert now. So like, if you haven't seen it, it's been mute for a second. Um, that ending was horrible. And like, I know it's true. So like, I get it. But man, that was, I was, I was watching it. And so if you haven't seen it, like the little, so there's like a weasel and the weasel is the right hand man to, to Hank the deuce. And he's, and he just like wants to screw over Matt Damon for like, I don't know why <laughs> like he just, his motivation was a little bit questionable in the movie. Um, other than he just wants to, even though he's just a bad guy, but um, he tells, he tells the, the rate like the, uh, Christian Bale's character is like setting records and going to win this race by a mile. And then he tells them to slow down so they can all, so all three Ford cars can ride together and win. But then little do you know, because of some technicality, even though uh, Christian Bale's character, like it you know, beats the beats, the other two cars by a nose, he actually loses. So I think that I read like, I, I literally like you could tell it was like a good, like it was a, a, provocative ending because i immediately start when i could see it like the writing on the wall i was like immediately googling like how did this happen did this happen in real life like why did it have to happen this way um so it turns out it did happen like that uh which was very disappointing but either way i mean it was a fantastic movie i loved it yeah yeah it was a good story because i didn't realize that's how you know way back in the day how those ford um like the, the the GTs yeah the GTs got started and how they just how they convinced the you know the deuce to basically invest all this money and at first he wasn't about it but then um I don't know if something happened and he felt slighted and he uh-huh. said okay let's do it yeah and, and then they did it and yeah and how uh you know Matt Damon's character who played uh, uh Carol Shelby Shelby convinced him to do it because he said just just tell me one one reason why and i'm not gonna you know spoil it if you haven't seen it but 
you know, that's all it took. Cause he's taken this, you know, this gritty race car driver has to convince this businessman, this polished businessman uh, who grew up in wealth uh-huh. to do something. And I think that's where the, um, you know, the contrast came with his right-hand man, Josh Lucas's character. Yeah. Because he had Henry Ford who just wanted to win. And then you had Carol Shelby who knew how, but uh-huh. the guy in the middle said, well, I just want you to do it our way. Yeah. And he's like, well, you, do you want me to win? That's like, that's why I was here. Let me do it my way. So that's where the, uh, the conflict came from, which, you know, obviously it happened in real world, but it's also great for the movie. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny when they locked him in the office. Oh yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, good. Glad you liked it. Uh, well, Daniel and I had the same movie, uh, but I don't know, Daniel, do you want to, do you want to give your impressions first? Uh, yeah, just some quick thoughts, and you can give yours. So we both watched the movie uh, Million Dollar Arm. It came out in, I believe, 2014, um, mm-hmm. starring John Hamm. And just uh, I had not even heard of this until Tommy suggested it. And so just a general synopsis for the audience. Uh, it's the true, mostly, story of a kind of struggling sports agent who needs a, a big break. And so he starts this competition in India to try and find the next great MLB pitcher from the ranks of the young Indian cricket players. And so he goes to India, scouts these kids, finds two kind of promising ones, comes back, tries to train them in order for a, uh, an MLB tryout. And then uh, things kind of go from there. Uh, but I, I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't the, the best movie I've ever seen, but I enjoyed it. Um, it was a good story that I didn't really know about. And I thought the, uh, the idea itself was really cool and definitely has some promise. Uh, even today, I'm not sure. I don't think that much has come out of it, to be honest. But uh, I enjoyed it. John Hamm had a good performance. And, uh, yeah, Alan Arkin was in the supporting role, and he was pretty hilarious at times. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I had a good time with it. Yeah, <laughs> think, same Scott? here. Um, I would agree. I, I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was, uh, you know, well cast. And, um, but, you know, it was a Disney movie. So I think that's where it came from because like you said, it mostly true. Uh, and there were just, you know, some moments where you thought, okay, was this, did it really happen this way? Or is that just like a, a Disney paintbrush? Mm-hmm. Uh, like when, how he got the, he got this idea to, Oh, cause you know, who's who all of a sudden thinks, you know what? I need some players. I need to find some players and I need to do it in India with a competition. And in the movie, he's flipping back and forth between a cricket match and a certain TV show, and that's where he gets the idea. Um, I don't know. I, I think I could totally see – maybe it doesn't happen like in serendipity like that. I could totally see – because he's sitting there. It's him and his buddy. They're like drinking a beer, just like a late night. They're having a tough time. And I, and I, I feel like if you're – you know, it's like it's that down and out kind of thing, and he's uh-huh. just like – because the whole thing, they lose, they lose like that, that NFL prospect or whatever. Like they have like the top, they've got like the Aaron Donald of the fictional world. And then he like signs with a different agency. I could see where, and I don't know, you're, I mean, I, you might be right, like that it's the Disney thing, but I could totally see a guy just like sitting there drinking a couple beers and he's like late at night. He's like, screw it. Like what can, whatever, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. cricket, let's throw Let's, let's throw the ball. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, no, I, I, I could see that happening too, but the, you know, the shot going back and forth. Between oh yeah. Susan Boyle and cricket and then just yeah hey i've got our million dollar idea um but overall i thought the movie was you know it was a kind of a mix between say 
Jerry Maguire and, you know, uh, America's Got Sports Talent or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good acting from John Hamm. Alan Arkin had me laughing out loud, which I don't usually do with you know, <laughs> movies like this. Uh, you know, they had some some good moments. Uh, the one kid that didn't quite win, you know, there's this, you know, I wish I, we could have seen more of that, but maybe the, maybe that just was their stories. But, um, you know, he was working with his dad and uh, he won the competition and he, he got his dad a, a truck and... You know, uh, that to me was the, the good part of it, the, like the gritty part where, you know, these kids basically came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it's funny is they went to go find cricket players and they come back with two non-cricket players. Yeah. And just amazingly throw a ball really hard and fast and mostly accurate at first or uh, ultimately uh, uh, throw it accurately. Um, but I don't know. I thought that's what it was. But then, you know, I don't know if it was actually how it happened too, or just like that Disney filter where these guys didn't start doing well until he got more involved in their lives. (laughs) Yeah. And I wasn't a huge fan of kind of like the romantic like subplot that was Uh going on. I'm not sure if that actually happened in real life or not. I could probably find out, but like it seemed to be kind of a strange like B plot going on where he's like in love with this girl who lives next door. (laughs) I don't know. I'm telling you, I just think this movie had heart. I just did. I like that. I, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a critique. I, I love. I love the part where uh, I love the part where he's watching um, Lou Gehrig's speech. That was a, yeah. that was just a heart filled moment. Yeah, and she was crying. She was crying. Yeah, he's the luckiest. Uh, she's like, "How can you not cry?" And he's like, "Because I've seen this movie a ton." <laughs> right. Yeah, but you know, it does. It does. It made me think, though. It's like that. That really was a great idea because it's you're not going to find many guys in in india even though if they do play cricket well um it, you know how many are they going to be able to throw a baseball but like he was saying and what that's how he sold uh mr wang i believe was um all right so there's a billion people there but you know if one of their guys makes it here that's a billion hats that's a billion t-shirts yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah. it's still a still a good idea and something that i feel like has some merit for like people yeah. to pursue hey lsu's already done that though i think they well yeah, they, they opened that door. Remember, they're going to Australia to get football players. Yeah. So Les Miles was way ahead of the curve. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a basketball player from Australia, too. That's true. Um, I believe he was the first pick in the NFL draft. but uh, NBA. I mean, we didn't pick him out of obscurity, though. He he was already well-known. He just chose us. Basically. Yeah, he chose us, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so that was good. I don't know. Um, it's, it's funny, though. The, the two movies that I mentioned that were one of my favorites in their respective sports – uh, the natural and Rudy for some reason earlier this week, I, I couldn't go to sleep in this one channel played both of them back to back. Oh, wow. It was, was kind of crazy. Yeah. So I guess, you know, they're trying to fulfill people's sports desires by putting all these movies on. Uh, Cause I've seen quite a bit, but um, I'm glad I watched million dollar arm. So thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. Well, thank you for the recommendation on uh ford v ferrari right right on yeah it's actually it's not ford versus ferrari it's ford v ferrari it's actually a legal battle between henry ford and uh, <laughs> no, that's like ferrari. that's like when batman v superman came out you thought it was just gonna be <laughs> just gonna be a big a big legal courtroom drama right i actually watched that yesterday that's that's it's not a good movie yeah i know i know i well, well i'm not gonna get into it I think most of my issues might've been casting, but a lot of, I like I liked a lot of those. Like I hadn't seen man of steel, but they were oh, playing right. all, um, or we were watching, uh, watching on demand. I think, um, uh, man of steel is good too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, um, well, that does it for our homework for this week. Are we, uh, are, are we continuing on with our education or was, was that pretty much just a one-time thing? Um, maybe we could do some research and then kind of reconvene next time to give some, some suggestions, not yeah, necessarily sports the, movies. Let's say like the homework will be another movie. What's another one? Something, something that you've watched in the upcoming week. Yeah, maybe, maybe something like that. I don't know. Let's, let's workshop it. If we if we happen to come across something, yeah. If you come across something, um, then we'll we'll yeah, we'll workshop okay. it. And then there's also that one that you said about that had a uh, John Goodman in it that was about oh the LSU one. Yeah. Um, well, that, that one has a that one pretty, out of the wall. pretty poor reviews. I don't know yeah. if I want to be the one to to peep that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe not. Um, well, um, I don't know. We've we've covered all that we wanted to. Did you guys have any anything else that you wanted to talk about before we head out? I think that about does it for us. Yeah, okay. good episode. Hopefully by next week we'll be out and about. Tommy's desperate to uh, to do something, so fingers True. crossed. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and I guess we'll we'll talk about any movies that we come across, but we'll definitely talk about any uh, any other news that comes across the desk here at um, we'll Talking talk- Tig Central. Oh, you missed uh, it, Scott. What's that? You missed it. You missed it. You could have gone. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about movies uh, if we see any, but. As always, we'll be talking ticks. <laughs> right, right. Oh, sorry. I, I don't get all of them, Tommy. But that's, that's why I have you here to back me up. So thank <laughs> um, one thing I just wanted to toss out is uh, someone was talking with Bill Hancock of the College Football Playoff Committee. And from what it sounds like, they are all preparing to play the, the playoff on time in January. I don't know how that would work out. He said, well, of course, you know, we're going to let the experts decide, you know, making sure that goes. But if, you know, if the season goes forward, whenever and however that happens, whether it's a regular season or just a a limited to conference play, they said they're planning on the playoff happening in January. So um, I don't know, maybe, maybe they know something we don't and things are going to look up and getting back to normal here hopefully soon, which would be great because um, <laughs> that'll, that'll give us more to talk about here on Talking Ticks. But uh, it'll also just give us back to normal so we can watch some LSU football and, and other stuff. Um, but that'll do it for us this week. Tune in next week and we'll have some uh, some more news for you. Maybe a new movie out there that you haven't seen that we could recommend for you. Uh, we do it all here on Talking Ticks. So uh, check back in with us and see what we're talking about. And we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tigs. That's a wrap.